0: Here, it's always Halloween, and I'm always your haunted host, Luce Tomlin Brenner. Today we are joined by an extremely special guest, Joseph Carlo of Displaced Snail Publications. Displaced Snail has produced such incredible work as the classic Ghosties series, of which I have utilized for some of our Patreon ghost story episodes, and one of my favorite zines I've ever purchased, which we will talk more about during the interview, Gina and Joe talk about Halloween horror. So, Joe is another huge fan of Halloween, and in this episode, we will talk about independent publishing, reaching an audience and creating a community, the joy of Halloween, trick-or-treating, making your own costumes, and a new project that the two of us have coming up. Plus, we answer a few of your eek mails. But before we dive into the interview, I would like to remind everyone that this episode and every episode of It's Always Halloween is produced 100% by the It's Always Halloween Patreon ghoul gang. Without you lovely ghouls, we would not be able to make this podcast. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts for keeping It's Always Halloween independent, ad-free, and sustainable. We have a brand new patron this week, So lots of Halloween love goes out to Josie Costa. Thank you for joining the Ghoul Gang. We are happy to have you. You have gotten us that much closer to our next goal of $1,000, of which we're only $318 away. If you want to support It's Always Halloween and get some creepy-crawly bonuses as a thank you, then now is the perfect time to join. We have our next book club meeting coming up this Tuesday, March 29th, and we are discussing the book, When Halloween Was Green. At that meeting, I'll be announcing the books for the next three months, so everyone can plan ahead, and when we release that schedule to the rest of the Halloween community here, you can see what is uh, coming up, and maybe you can plan when to join us in the future. And we just released a new ghost story, Summer, by Tanana Reeve Dew. And we have another ghost story coming out next week. Plus, April will bring all kinds of new goodies your way. So head to patreon.com slash it's always Halloween or just click the Patreon link in our show notes or in our link tree in our Instagram where you can follow us at it's always Halloween podcast. You can follow Joseph Carlo at Displaced Snail on Instagram, and you can check out the Halloween horror zine, the classic ghosties, wintry horrors, and queer horrors, all incredible zines that he offers at DisplacedSnail.com slash store. And that link will be in our show notes. But let's hear more from Joe and what it's like to create your own work and get physical art into the hands of the people. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Joe Carlo. Joe, hello. Welcome to It's Always Halloween.
1: Why, hello, Luce. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, it is my pleasure. So I brought you on today because you and I were brought together by ghost stories. Mm. You... You are the founder of Displaced Snail Publications, which was a gift from one of my best friends from home from Ohio, Nick LaRusso, for Christmas a couple years ago, gave me the set of Displaced Snail Publication Classic Ghosties.
1: Oh, I love it! I love when people get my zines as gifts. It's wonderful.
0: They were—they made me so happy because I've never seen anything like this before. And it was five individual little zines, each one a story—a ghost story from uh, that I guess is in the public domain now. That's like from Victorian times, right? And then I read two of them for my uh, Patreon. I do two ghost stories every month for Patreon, and. I read The Shell of Sense by Olivia Howard Dunbar and The Shadows on the Wall by Mary E. Wilkins Freeman. And i had never heard of these women. And it sent me on this rabbit hole of exploring their work and learning about them so thank you so much for that
1: (laughs) oh you're welcome isn't that wonderful
0: it's so wonderful so you are the founder of displaced snail publications and i think there's actually a lot of people out there who maybe aren't familiar with zine culture so can you tell us a little bit about like what a zine is and how you would characterize one
1: Oh, sure. So zine is short for magazine, which is why you say zine and not zine. (laughs) Um, And it's basically a handmade publication, uh, with usually emphasis on punk or art, um, something that you make yourself. But you know, these days, people make zines about anything. So there's poetry and fiction. And it's just a nice way to, to write something or make a drawing and put it out into the world and give it to people.
0: Yes, exactly. I was so that's how I came to know about Zines was um I'm from the punk scene outside of Cleveland mm. and so that was something that I was drawn to right away. I loved the idea of just being able to make something and put it out there. And this is not pre-internet. We're not quite that old, but like people weren't doing that on the internet yet. Like there wasn't there were chat rooms. I got my parents got the internet in like 2000. So I was using AIM, but people weren't really doing you know, blogs. And of course there wasn't really social media at that point, uh, in the same way. So, I was like, "Oh my god, just be able to make my own books because I loved making books when I was a kid. That was like my favorite thing to do."
1: <laughs> oh, I love that too. One, I mean, there's the satisfaction too of, you know, if you publish something in a magazine or put on a blog, someone might read it, and maybe you'll get a comment. But, you know, zines, you can go to a zine fest and set up your table and sell your zines to people, and they can, you know, come up and say, "Oh, I read this last year and I love it." And you can say thank you. Uh. And you know, it's like the, it's like an immediate connection between people
0: exactly physical stuff means a lot to me physical books physical media um especially as we see the way that monopolies kind of sweep up stories and art and hold on to it and don't distribute it again if it's not going to make money and right zines are great because it's made by artists for people to enjoy you don't make well, maybe a ton of money from it but
1: <laughs> not usually <laughs> I mean, it's nice that you brought up the classic ghosties because that was um, an idea I had when I I was in Ireland a few years ago and saw that um, Penguin has a Penguin Classics and they put out these tiny books of old stories that are still in print. And I thought... What a what a wonderful idea to keep something in print that's no longer in print. And so I love reading these old Victorian ghost stories. And they're just, you know, everywhere on Project Gutenberg. You can download the PDFs of them. But I thought, wouldn't it be great to give them a new life and sort of like, you know, actually show it to people like you don't have to get a collection of 50 of these stories you can get one at a time
0: yes that's what i loved about it because i really suffer from like choice fatigue and Mm. too many things at once i just don't care anymore like i can't really do shopping online either because i'm like well here's you know 40 dresses that all look cute i don't know they don't seem (laughs) like even dresses to me when you're looking online but it was so great to get these five stories and just be like oh I'll read these five because they're right in front of me. The choice has been made. Right. Um, And they're really, um, some of them, they're all pretty creepy, but there's like elements of romance to them and some really deep philosophical themes in them as well, which I really appreciated.
1: You know, funny story about those. um, We we do shows at our house. Uh, We call our house the East Falls Zine Reading Room because we have a zine library here of maybe about 1,600 zines. Um, And we do a show every year, besides during the pandemic, of course, um, called Sad Fest, where we invite people to come, like, read sad things and be sad and sort of celebrate sadness. I love that. Isn't it great? (laughs) Yeah,
0: it's fantastic.
1: For that one, I read The Haunted Orchard, which is one of the other classic ghosties, which is like, you know, an old romance story about, like, love and loss in the countryside. And you know what, Luce? I cried in front of everyone. I just started crying.
0: I love that so much. You were in it. You felt it so deeply. I was there. That's fantastic. I mean, what a better way to promote your event. You're truly living your art.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, I feel as the host of S.A.D. Fest, it's up to me to really get sad, you know,
0: Yeah, you got to set the tone.
1: Let right. everybody
0: know. So at Sad Fest, are there like boxes of tissues all around the room? Like yes,
1: we have boxes of tissues. We usually do like tea or cocoa, warm things you can hold. You know, pillows around for you to hug.
0: I love this. Wait, is Sad Fest going to come back this year?
1: Uh, you know, I'm not entirely sure about this year. We we're planning our first shows this year, but we haven't started doing anything quite yet. I think I want to give COVID a chance to settle down a little more yes. and improve to me that it wants to settle down more.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't believe it right now. Right. <laughs> it feels like a ruse. Um, well that's fantastic. Please invite me. I would love to come to sad fest. I have, uh, notoriously cried on a few episodes of it's always Halloween <laughs> when anybody writes in about their grandmother or anything that, uh, if, if there's too much like craziness happening in the world, I just like can't hang on to my senses sometimes oh, when I'm recording.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I get it.
0: I, I think it's important to, um, I don't know, give the full human experience in a podcast. I find podcasting a lot like zine making where there's no barrier to entry, which of course leads to a lot of jokes on the internet about the wrong people <laughs> putting the wrong sentiment out there. Right. But for the most part, it's actually like truly democratic in the way that like, if you just promote yourself and like keep making your work and keep putting it out there, people will just find you from all over the world. Right. And it's such a great way to just be, I don't know, a real human being and not uh, kind of create that difference between the celebrity podcasts, which are very manicured right. the way a you know professional quote unquote magazine is so manicured and loses a little bit of that human touch.
1: Well, you know, I I think, like you're saying, it's very similar to zines in the way, too, that, you know, I sort of find myself through zines as well. So, like, you know, I'm working on this series Gina and Joe talk about that's like horror movie reviews and things like that. And, you know, the first issue was about queer horror. And that I, I came out when I was writing that zine. You know, I came out as queer because I didn't necessarily know I was, but I was writing about connecting to like female characters in movies and always like feeling like the disbelieved woman Mm -hmm. Um, and as I was writing that I was like oh my god that's me how did I not see this for so long like this is who I am you know and then I started crying writing the Halloween one because I was writing about my grandmother and my mom and like Halloween costumes and things like that and so I think there's a lot of areas to explore in your own writing and in a small podcast that are helped by maybe not having like a marketing team behind you.
0: Yes, exactly. Being like, oh, no, that's that that trends poorly, where I, <laughs> I actually think that crying, if you're not doing it constantly, which you can if it's like the crying pod, then that's a really great idea for a podcast, everybody. And you could cry <laughs> every week. But, you know, I think it's done really I felt weird about it when it's happened. But I always get feedback that people are like, that made me feel good to hear somebody mm. <laughs> crying
1: yeah they, i don't know when this podcast became about crying but i'll also share with you that i did a zine panel last year and just started crying in the middle of it so Amazing. maybe there's a lot of emotion going on
0: was it really was it difficult or was there a point where you were like i'm just giving myself over to this
1: oh well you know it was um a very interesting zine panel from the phoenix zine fest uh, they did it virtually and it was about you know discovering yourself by writing a per-zine zines, like, you know, a personal zine. Mm -hmm. Um, And I talked about the queer horror zine. And I talked about feeling like coming out and it just overcame me with emotion.
0: Oh, I love that. I'm sure that touched (laughs) so many other people, though, because I also, you know, punk scenes, underground scenes are really for more marginalized people, you know, and I think (laughs) that people of color and queer people and trans people are drawn to alternative scenes because those are much more safer and more accommodating than the mainstream is. So I'm sure a lot of people at that best really could feel touched by that in that moment
1: right i mean i'm still trying to like escape the brutality of my catholic upbringing in how i think about myself expressing emotion but it is not like that in the real world at least not in the zine world
0: yes isn't it great then we can kind of create our own worlds outside of our programming even if it's there it's something you know it's, i think it's like an everyday unlearning activity but we do have the power to just unlearn all of that programming and be like i'm doing this my way and my way is the cry way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That should be a tagline for the cry, the cry pod that you're going to do.
0: Yes. Okay. That's my new podcast (laughs) cry (laughs) pod. Um, you know, so you started talking about so I have a few of your zines here, other than the the ghosties, which are out of print now, right? You're not making those anymore.
1: Uh, you know, just for the moment, because I'm working on the next five, and then I'm going to do more printing of the first five. So those will be back. It's just sort of a, a temporary break.
0: This is an exciting announcement. I didn't know there were a new five coming out.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I I have about 40 stories that I plan to do at some point. I just, you know, I try to do five every year, year and a half.
0: Oh, that's thrilling. So is that going to be like a Halloween drop for this year?
1: Ooh, that's a great idea. (laughs) I I haven't designed. I just, you know, the thing with these old Victorian stories is I have to make sure I really carefully read them first because occasionally there's something like amazingly super racist in one of them and you know i'm I'm not looking to publish that no
0: no (laughs) of course not and thank you um (laughs) you know it's interesting because some of the language will sneak in uh, undetected by first glance because it's not racist language we use now right and then you're like huh that combination of words is odd let me look up and then you're like oh no (laughs) That's the worst thing you could say 150 years ago.
1: (laughs) What have I done?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, cause I do for the, the podcast, I've been trying to do, find newer stories because a lot of the old stories, you know, I try to do of women and I want to have, you know, just not the same people like Bram Stoker, Stephen King all the time, but, um, you have to go newer to find like more uh, people of color and queer people who are at least out, you know? Right. Um, so I, but I have a mix of new stories and Victorian stories and I like the Victorian ones because they're not so, um, violent. And I think they're a little more mm. romantic, but yeah, I have run into that same thing where I'll read it through and then hit something that like, I don't quite understand. And I have to do like so much Googling. Sometimes it takes like days just to find. Yeah. Uh, well, is not understand a story fully?
1: <laughs> it, wasn't it the case that most of um, the classic monster movies were developed by um, a man who wasn't quite out and most yeah. of them are like allegorical queer stories.
0: Yeah, James Whale who did Frankenstein, he right. was out in Hollywood but not no you know not in the general public. It was like mm. an industry secret. And he also made the film uh, Old Dark House which Boris Karloff is in. Have you seen that one? I think it's from the thirties.
1: I have not seen it, but there is a band with that name and they're really good. They make like, like nouveau horror music.
0: Uh, That sounds incredible. I will be looking them up, jotting down in my notebook. Um, Check it out. If you can, I think it got a Blu-ray release recently. I have an old VHS version of it. That is, does not look good, but the case is really cool. (laughs) Um, But it's, it's, A pretty heavy-handed allegory about being closeted, I think. Okay. Um, And I could see where, like, straight people wouldn't pick up on it, but um, I feel like it's the earliest gayest movie that we have access to. Um, Interesting. So, yeah, check it out, everybody. Old Dark House.
1: I certainly will.
0: And then I'm going to check out this band. Um, is anyone in the band gay? That would be extra perfect.
1: I'm not entirely sure of their orientations, but I know um, Corey J. Brewer is in it, who's a, a super nice person who contributed to a fundraiser I did recently. Oh, heck a song yeah. Contributed it.
0: Oh, terrific. Um, well, I'll message them all and ask their sexuality.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Okay,
0: good.
1: It's the Lord's work.
0: <laughs> yeah, I do that a lot. I just email people and I'm like, I think I like you, but first I want to know if you're gay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so along with the uh, ghosties, I'm so excited to hear more are coming out. Um I got really pumped on your website. So before I reached out to you um, and I was just like searching because I wanted to give you credit, you know, on the episodes. And then I was like perusing your website. And then I immediately had to buy this beautiful Gina and Joe talk about Halloween horror. And it's so it's like the perfect. It's got a really cute, happy jack-o'-lantern on the front. It's all orange and it has these really great personal essays and then like memories. And it kind of feels like an episode of small frights as a zine. And one of my favorite oh. ones is the, a legacy of homemade costumes that you wrote. And then is this is you as uh, a Zelda. Me. Or the yes, Legend that's of Zelda. me as Link. Link. Yeah. Not Zelda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not a video game person. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I absolutely love, I love it so much. this is yeah, this is my favorite essay in the whole one.
1: oh, thank you so much you can I love I love looking at that picture because you can see you know my neon shoelaces the s n e s behind me. It's like a perfect picture of nineteen ninety two
0: yes, it is and you even have um blank v h uh, s uh behind you on the entertainment center with the homemade labels and you can't quite uh. read them, but they're there, and I imagine they're like episodes of like the nanny and Seinfeld and days of our lives. <laughs> uh,
1: totally. I'll, I'll go look at that photo again and see if I can suss it out because I'm sure it's something good.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, perfect. And you have a, like a homemade shield here. What was a styrofoam or
1: I think it was cardboard wrapped in aluminum. My mom That's was right. very handy with costumes.
0: I love that. So when you were growing up, did you wear all of your costumes homemade?
1: Yes. I mean, uh, I almost wish I still had them. Of course, none of them would fit me now, but it yeah. was, um, you <laughs> know, be like a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, you know, Link from Legend of Zelda, um, Santa Claus one year. And that was, you know, a whole felt red suit and like a cotton ball beard.
0: Was was that that, like so funny? Did people think it was like amusing that you were dressed as Santa for Halloween? I thought it was funny. (laughs) That's all that matters.
1: I don't know if other people did, but I mean, you have a candy bag built into the costume. So you don't even have to worry about it.
0: I love that. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Now, instead of trick or treat, did you say ho, ho, ho?
1: Um, you know, I don't think I was that with it at the time. I, honestly, I was probably seven.
0: Right. I probably,
1: to me, saying trick or treat as Santa was the joke.
0: That's true. And that's an excellent joke. So bravo on that. <laughs> <laughs> was that your favorite costume?
1: Wow. I don't know. That's a hard question. I mean, because there are... My favorite costume might be, I don't even remember this because I was so small, but when I was a little baby, my mom made a felt M&M and stuck me in it. And I think just my head was coming out of it. and The rest of my body was inside this circular M&M. And that I really do enjoy seeing photos of that.
0: That's really funny. Which, what color are we the red M&M?
1: No, it was the yellow one.
0: Ah, very, the funny one. <laughs> my my
1: brightness just shone through even then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's so perfect. Uh, that yeah. reminds me of uh, one of my best friends in elementary school, Erin Smith, was an eyeball in fourth grade. That was her, just like the greatest costume I think I've, I ever saw as a kid, and it was fully circular. She was inside of it, and like the the I don't know the eye parts, the iris, the color part. Mm. Uh, was kind of mesh. So that's what she could see through.
1: Oh, cool. But you
0: couldn't really tell that she could see through it. And um, she wore these red tights. And then there was all this like red, like almost, um, uh, what are the streamers? Kind of hanging down from the eyeball, like viscera. Uh
1: Oh. It
0: it was just crazy. And She won like the best costume in the whole school, like in the Halloween. Nice. It sounds legitimate. It was incredible. I think I have one picture of it somewhere like on you know a film developed picture and i'll have to see if i can find it because it
1: yeah that's great.
0: very inspiring
1: i remember my friend matt i think in the sixth grade Printed out a photo of his own face and then wore it like a mask on his head, and that was so funny to me because you know we're talking the the 90s, so not everyone had a printer. So even the fact that he like right. could do that seemed magical to me.
0: Oh my gosh, that was probably the printer that was like rah, 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 and he, right, right, right. Peeled the. He had to
1: break off the sides. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh my gosh, he used what was it, Print Shop? Um. That's amazing. What a clever, a couple of clever boys. Good job. Oh, thank you. I don't think I was thinking about Halloween being funny until I was in college, probably. I, I unfortunately am saddled with taking things too seriously. It's been Mm. an affliction I've had my entire life, Mm -hmm. which is extra silly because I am a comedian, (laughs) but (laughs) I like... I like to tell jokes and tell funny stories and like stand on stage and make people laugh, but there's something, obviously I like to make people laugh in regular life too, (laughs) but I'm too sincere. I feel like I'm too sincere. It helps me in other ways, but I, Mm. I don't, I see all these opportunities that people, other comedians and other funny people make humor in all these other ways. And I'm just like, take everything at face value. And I'm like, oh, well, on Halloween, we're supposed to dress scary. So I have dressed scary.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. No, I don't know. I mean, I think humor was a real defense mechanism for me. Um, But I will say, no one should knock sincerity because sincerity is wonderful.
0: I I agree. I think I, I, you're right. I'm embracing sincerity. I have no choice. (laughs) (laughs) I must do it. But I think sometimes I get a little um, envious of some of my comedy Mm. friends or just the fact that like, what a funny joke. To fit fa- your face on your face is very right. funny <laughs> and kind of layered. It almost has like a science of the lambs feel to it, also like uh, Texas Chainsaw. It's scary, funny. Uh, but yeah, I just, my brain doesn't work like that. And sometimes I'm a little envious, but yeah, we all have I get our it. skills. <laughs>
1: That's that's interesting that you brought it into it because it is very like uncanny valley too. like I'm looking at a human who almost looks like a human. This is too weird. And you're
0: used to looking at his face. So it's still his face. But it's like something's off.
1: Right. The mouth isn't moving.
0: Yeah. And the eyes are like probably little open holes. Right. It's like real human eyes peering through a fake face like the French film Eyes Without a Face. Oh, Yeah. Actually, this might be the scariest costume that he could have picked.
1: Yeah, maybe maybe there was more to it than I thought.
0: Yeah. Are you still in touch with this person?
1: Uh, you know, I haven't spoken to him in a few years. But it, next time I do see him, it's the first thing I'm going to ask.
0: Please do and report back. Right. <laughs> Tell him that uh, thousands of people have now heard about his Halloween costume.
1: <laughs> and want to know more.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. We have questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, something I'm very excited about um, is that you and I have decided to team up and we're going to make a couple zines together this year. Yes. It's always. Super stoked. Yes. I'm so excited. I'm thinking of calling it. It's always Zine."
1: Oh, perfect. <laughs> yes. Wonderful. Puns are huge in the zine community.
0: Yes. Oh, they have to be. <laughs> they are currency. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I've already announced a couple weeks ago our recipe zine. Oh, very good. But I had, today is the day that I'm announcing <sighs> that we're doing two more.
1: Oh, two more. Luce, what could they be?
0: It's a trilogy.
1: Oh, my gosh. All the best horror movies are trilogies. Exactly. So, I mean, I feel like...
0: Yeah, how could we not? Halloween 1, 2, and 3? <laughs> a perfect trilogy. <laughs> it's
1: always Halloween 1, 2, and 3?
0: Exactly. So one is the recipe zine. Two mm-hmm. is we're doing a trick-or-treat costume zine. So ah. very much like this beautiful picture of you dressed as Link and this lovely story about how important it is to make your own costumes, we are going to be doing a similar thing where we're we want lanterns to send in the pictures of them either trick-or-treating or in their costumes and as long as it's not like from this year we're thinking (sighs) zero to 18 maybe zero to Mm. 20 if you have some really funny uh college costumes but oh yeah definitely stuff in like uh the 2000s or before uh if possible because we want to create uh, the cozy, nostalgic Halloween feelings with yeah. this
1: one. I want to see your, your homemade costumes.
0: Yes, absolutely. The homemade costumes. And I'm really into seeing people's makeup. Like, I love the... Oh, Yeah the makeup that little kids do on themselves or that like moms and grandmas who just like are doing their best are doing. Right. <laughs> totally. There's so much emphasis now. It's like the internet's cool. Cause we get to see how many skills people have. And there's so many people on the world that aren't platformed that have amazing skills and they get to share them like really incredible makeup artistry that I think is so fun to watch, but can be a little intimidating if you don't have that type of hand eye coordination. And I, I, I really like to see people who aren't good at doing things, but who have passion. That's like my passion is like, you don't your, the skill isn't perfected, but it has a desire.
1: Oh, you know what? I'm going to have to look for, I just remembered um, maybe in fifth grade, I dressed up as our school librarian, Miss Soltis. And my sister did my makeup and got me like a pearl necklace and (laughs) (laughs) a lacy top.
0: That is so cute. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is adorable. Do you have a picture of the two of you together? That would I don't have been know. like, oh, that was a clutch photo. That I'm going to have her. to look.
1: I'll, I'll ask my parents to see if they have one too, because that would just be wonderful.
0: Do you remember her reaction when you were like, I'm you?
1: To be honest with you, I don't know if I was brave enough to go to school in it. I might have just used it for trick or treating.
0: Oh my gosh, that's even cuter. And everyone's like, who are you dressed as? You're like, my school librarian. Right. <laughs> I love her.
1: <laughs> mm, let's not go that far. She was really
0: mean. Oh, but you admired her somehow, or what? Or did you dress up with her as her because she was like a monster? Or like
1: I you know, honestly, it might have been my sister's idea, who also <laughs> was going to that school. And maybe she just thought it was going to be funny since I was the youngest brother. <laughs> But no. I certainly went along with it.
0: Oh my God. See, I created this whole narrative where you like admired her and you, and you like loved reading and you were like, this is the highest tribute I can give to her Halloween costume. You know,
1: that's what we're going to have to do for the zine. I, everyone's photo is going to be on the left hand side. So you can look at the photo and you can create your own story before you read what they say about the costume. Yes. Because that's what I want to do. I want to look at everyone and think, all right, who is this and what are they doing?
0: I love that. We absolutely must. All right, mm-hmm. perfect. Well, we are collecting materials through May 1st.
1: Mm-hmm. Sounds good.
0: And <laughs> <laughs> so send in your scanned photos, uh, or if you have them digitized, uh, send them into the podcast. It's always Halloween podcast at gmail.com. Um, I prefer everything go into Gmail. Uh, that way I can have it organized. When you DM stuff on Instagram, it gets lost. Um But if you have stuff on Instagram and you want to tag me, of course, you can do that as well. It might not make it in the zine, though. Um, And then send us a little story. It doesn't have to be super well written. I will edit everything for clarity. And you don't have to, We, you know, people feel nervous writing in. We're... You super don't have to. (laughs) We Mm -hmm. want this, as we were talking about, zines are about the human touch. Um, It's not like it doesn't have to be Marie Claire, which is the first magazine I thought of.
1: (laughs) Nice. You know
0: how we all discuss (laughs) the height of publishing Marie Claire. We all long
1: to be Marie Claire.
0: (laughs) So don't write as if you're writing for Marie Claire, write as yourself because your individualized voice is important. And that's, what's going to really make the costume feel special as well. So tell us a little story just like uh, how did it come to be? Who made it? Why did you do this? How did people react when you went trick or treating or when you were in your Halloween parade? Um, And then if you don't have a picture uh, and you just want to send in a little story, we can pepper those in as well. So it's going to be Absolutely. a trick or treat themed uh zine uh about yeah, childhood trick or treating and uh Halloween parades and school costume contests.
1: Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to see everyone's costumes.
0: I know, I'm psyched. I have I don't know, probably like 10 or 12 pictures that people have sent into me over the last, you know, year of the podcast. So I will follow up with those people to see if theirs can be included or if you're one of those people and you just want to email me again, please go for it. Uh, And then just a reminder, the recipe zine, send in your family recipes uh, or anything you've created yourself. If you have something you love making on Halloween every year or in the autumn, and it's like, this is what I make so that I know it's now Halloween calendar time, uh, send it to us. And then we'll create, we'll have a nice little recipe book made up of other Lantern's recipes. And then the third one we are still discussing but it, mm. I think it's going to be a little just a personal, personal Halloween essays from me.
1: Oh, I would love to read your, your Halloween essays.
0: Halloween thoughts, tips and tricks. Um, and <laughs> Luce
1: Today, Halloween. <laughs>
0: oh, Luce Today is a great name for a magazine. Move over, Marie Claire. This is Luce Today.
1: <laughs> you don't have to write for your zine like it's Luce Today or anything. All right. I mean.
0: Don't put that pressure on yourself. How could you? (laughs) Um, So I'm really excited about this, Joe. Thank you so much for partnering with us.
1: Of course. I mean, I, I love your podcast. And I just I am on a real tear of making zines. And I'm so stoked to work with you on some some cool zines.
0: Uh, I'm excited because you do all the stuff that blocks me. So I'm not a um I'm not a work with my hands person. Mm. And uh when I want to draw or make something physical, it sort of turns into like a blobby. Like I can draw cats and sheep and clouds and a house. And if it's not one of those like four things, it'll turn into that eventually. Like, I just can't. Uh-huh. <laughs> not even good at drawing a pumpkin. Well, I can do a pumpkin, but not a jack o' lantern. Um, the face always gets really wonky. Like, the mouth always goes down off to the side. Um, so, <laughs> you're doing all of that cool physical layout stuff and arranging an art design that makes me. Cry.
1: <laughs> well, you know what I just love about the Halloween zine that we did? Um, so, Gina, my partner in crime for these zines, is um, a professor of horror films and medieval literature at the University of Michigan, That's which is so cool. so cool. Oh
0: my gosh. Um,
1: and actually, you know what's funny? So, I met her because she bought my classic ghosties and wrote to me. So this is the second time someone has gotten those zines and reached out to me and we've like become nice buddies from it. So that's
0: incredible. Oh, my God. Ghost stories are like the ultimate meet cute.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Who knew? Right. Wow. um, She the, the center spread of the Halloween zine is a drawing that she did of a haunted house in fourth grade. And it's just it is wonderful looking. It's accompanied by an essay on how to draw said Haunted House if you want to try it on your own.
0: It's so cool. And this scene is still available on in your shop, right?
1: It sure is.
0: Yeah, everybody should check it out. It's only $5, so I know you can definitely get it and it'll give you that boost of Halloween feelings in the middle of the year and you know we're always celebrating here. So this is, I mean, what a better way. You also have a, a list of Halloween films in here. Mm. Um, and just like a lot of cool, yeah, illustrations and memories. Um, I think that this is like the perfect reading for the springtime. Because I think so too. Sort of diametrically well, I mean, no- opposed to Halloween because it's like rebirth instead of death. And so this is like a good way to get that vibe right now.
1: <laughs> well, isn't that um Shoot, I should have asked my partner Kay about this. I think is isn't one of the the spookier nights coming up because it's like the the shadow Halloween, yes, the reverse Halloween? Beltane, right? Yeah. Yes,
0: I need to look more those those types of dates. So. The listeners know this, but I am not a person who's good at keeping track of like dates or times. I'm very much, I live in the the spirit world of time doesn't (laughs) exist. So that's why I do like the fact that things are always Halloween because I hate missing things. Because it's like Mm. one day to do something that's absurd. It puts undue pressure on oneself. So I don't keep track of all of these other high holidays and spooky days and things and I should but I'm trying to live that life all the time so I never feel like I'm missing anything
1: I know just what you mean we have um we have light touches of halloween around our house at all times Ooh. so like um you know Katie likes to deck out the house in the ways that she enjoys and some of that means like there's one of those jointed skeletons hanging on our bathroom door at yes. all times and there's, you know, a, a bat garland right now in among all of our plants. But I it's just just a little touch of Halloween. You know, we don't I don't need to see it all the time, but I like I like a little bit of the vibe. It is the best holiday of all time. So
0: exactly. Thank you very much. I, <laughs> of course, agree. And I do the same thing there. You know, there's some like Halloween influencers who are like live in Halloween decor house all the time, which I admire. And I think is so cool. But I couldn't personally do it because I mm-hmm. I like too many things. Things. And I yeah. like too many colors. And so I'm a maximalist. So I have things like I've got like these little tiny kind of cardboard jack-o'-lanterns. Oh yeah. That like live next to my TV, but they're just little like craft paper. How um, cute. Yeah, they're I I love them. So I see them every time I'm watching a movie. And I have like a little plastic trick-or-treat pail on my bar that I always have filled with candy. And I have a little I have a little bat. That hangs up as well.
1: (laughs) Oh, perfect! I happen to have um, above my desk at the moment. I don't know if you'll remember these—a whole bunch of monster in my pockets.
0: Yes, I. Those are so good. I have about
1: thirty of them standing up there.
0: They're like tiny little. I mean, they're not exactly action figures. They're really just like a molded figure that's like an inch tall, and they're really popular in the early '90s.
1: Right. Yeah. These are all my old ones. Um, there's always like a little part of me that's like, Ooh, maybe I could go on eBay and buy a whole bunch of these. But then there's another part of me that's like, don't go down that road.
0: Exactly. Yep. That's why I like never use eBay because people are like, Oh, you can just find that on eBay. And I was like, yes, I like a lot of things though. So if I start looking up stuff on eBay, I will go into bankruptcy buying like every My Little Pony I didn't get (laughs) as a child.
1: Totally. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, so uh, as far as our zines, why don't we talk about? So we want to get materials by May first, so it's like five, five, six weeks, and uh, then we're gonna have them available for pre-sale uh, around August, yep. and then we're gonna send them out in September.
1: Yeah, so everyone should get theirs by September first, which is the true beginning of the spooky season. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for for non diehards, that's, that's when, true. Uh, diehards
0: start at a hundred days usually, which is like the middle of July.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, I think I think getting getting these zines on September first will be a great way to feel like. Oh, it's finally Halloween. Now I get to live in Halloween for two months.
0: Exactly. Yes, I totally agree. Um, I'm lucky that I get to live in Halloween all the time. And (laughs) I'm happy to get to bring you with me because you know what? I actually have a few eek mails from some Luceo Lanterns. Would you like to uh, read a couple with me before we go? Oh, I'd love to
1: hear what people have to say.
0: Yeah, and so this will have kind of a zine feel to it. That's what I like about these episodes, because we get to hear a little bit about people's Halloween all year round. Oh, great. I think you're going to really like this one. Um, so the title of it is A Very Seasonal Halloween. Hi, Luce. My name is Kristen, she, her, and it has truly been a treat to be a part of this podcast community. I really enjoyed hearing about Megan's Hallowtines celebration. And I thought I'd share some of my own year-round Halloween festivities. For about five years now, my friends and I have celebrated Halloween seasonally. We have Winterween, Hallow Spring, which I really like. Oh, right? Summerween, yeah. Halloween prime, which is calendar <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> Halloween prime is fantastic. Um, here's how we celebrated these last year. For Winter Ween, we made a massive blanket fort, played the video game Hollow Knight, and enjoyed hot chocolate oh. with purple and green Halloween sprinkles.
1: Oh, and I love that game.
0: I've never played it before. Should I play it?
1: Oh, it's wonderful.
0: All right, I'm writing it down Hollow Knight. Okay. <laughs> um, Spring Ween involved welcoming the new season by sharing our best ghost stories around a cozy fire pit. Aww, oh, that's
1: nice. It yeah. is
0: really nice. Um, for summer ween activities, we carved watermelon jack-o'-lanterns while watching Jaws and enjoying themed cocktails and snacks. And uh, of course, Halloween Prime is something we celebrate all October with a variety of activities. I'll attach a couple photos from our celebrations. I love finding new ways to keep the festive spirit alive all year long. And this podcast has helped me do exactly that. I hope by sharing some of my seasonal Halloween traditions that others are inspired as well. Thanks again for all you do and stay spooky, ghost emoji, Kristen. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, she shared a picture. I should have sent this to you ahead of time, Joe. I'm sorry, but she shared a a picture of her watermelon jack-o'-lantern with a little candle inside.
1: Yes, I would like to see that. Please do forward it along.
0: Yes, I will. And a, a charcuterie board of um, Halloween Oreos, pretzels, uh, Greasy's uh, Frankenstein cups, uh, kettle corn, and it looks like little uh, trick-or-treat like Kit Kats that are orange.
1: <laughs> oh, wonderful. You know, as I was listening to that, I thought about what I like to do. Another thing I like to do to celebrate Halloween all year round um, which is costumes, you know, you can wear a costume whenever you want. There's no like rules about it, especially once you're an adult.
0: That's true.
1: <laughs> so, you know, when, when they wanted to show pretty and pink downtown, Katie and I went out and got costumes and I went as John Bender.
0: Oh my gosh. Why not? Did people, were people so psyched?
1: Oh, breakfast club. I'm sorry. Wrong name. Oh, um, I yes. I totally actually. knew exactly
0: what you're talking about too. <laughs> do yeah, you, right. Do you have like the earring?
1: It's we. I had um. Yeah, the cross earring, the like you know, men's slacks with the huge flannel over it. It was really fun to do. Go to the ren fair and dress up. I mean, I find costumes are a you know twenty four seven three sixty five. I'm in a costume right now. It's just my Joe's at home working costume.
0: Yes, I. I mean, I agree. I have my favorite leggings on, which are uh, little red lips with uh, vampire teeth.
1: Oh, wonderful. Like Let's I'd see like, him. Oh, yeah, look at that. <laughs> that's so fun.
0: I just did like a cheerleader move to show <laughs> Joe my legs.
1: <laughs> what, what's that thing RuPaul says? We're all born naked and the rest is drag.
0: Oh, yes. That's such a great phrase. That's what, you know, actually, a have you ever had somebody um, think that they were Tearing you down, but it was actually like a huge compliment. Like it was a dig, but you're like, thank you.
1: (laughs) One hundred percent.
0: There was this guy that I absolutely hated who was in my women's studies program in college. Which, like, I all I want all genders to you know do gender studies and women's studies and care about that. But in the early two thousands, it was like a little bit of a red flag. (laughs) Mm. And this guy, his name was Chaz. He. Acted like he was my friend because there was like I had a lot of power in the department and there was like social cachet for him, but he would always talk shit about me behind my back. And he complained to my best friend Nick, who gave me these zines, that he's like, "Don't you ever get sick of her? Every day she just dresses in costumes and acts like everything's a play." <laughs>
1: And yet, what a wonderful way to live.
0: Exactly. I was like, are you kidding? How else am I going to dress? This place sucks. He
1: <laughs> <Like>, wore <Right.
0: laughs> you, more like turtlenecks no matter what the weather was like all right Jared. and every
1: day is a play i mean if you're not like acting out your own life then you're just sort of sitting around doing nothing
0: yeah or you're doing what other people want you to do which like yeah. not to sound like uh, someone on the internet but like what a boring way to to live sheeple oh <laughs>
1: man you are just educating them left and I right
0: Anyways, I don't know why I had to get that. That's just been living inside of me now for 15 years. So I had to complain Yeah, shake it it out. Get (laughs) it moving. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yes, getting back to Kristen, this is such a fantastic eek mail. I love that you have a group of friends that you have been doing this with. Because, you know, I hear a lot of stories about people who are the only person in their community that they know of that likes Halloween and they have to do this stuff on their own. Hmm. I, a spooky community is very important. And I mean, that's what, you know, we're trying to create here. Uh, and Joe, I don't know if I told you this, but we recently, my grim turn, Nathan and I started this new idea called the local lantern society where Oh, what's that? Yeah. So we're trying to get information from every lantern who wants to be a part of it. It's totally free. You just have to fill out our Google form that we have in our show notes or send me your information on Gmail. Um, And we're trying to connect people from all over the world. So kind of like, you know, if you're based in Philadelphia, so we have several people who are in Eastern Pennsylvania, right? So we're grouping them all on a spreadsheet. And then all the people who are from Eastern Pennsylvania or that whole sort of mid-Atlantic region, we would send, you know, however much information you wanted to give, like if it was your email and your socials, then we send that out to everybody. And then the 10 of you can all connect and you're like, okay, right. the mid Atlantic lanterns are uh, society like one Oh six. And then everybody you'll, you get like pins and you have a little membership card and then you can all contact each other to go out and do spooky stuff all year round. Right. Or just if you're somebody who just wants to go out and do stuff during the Halloween calendar time, but that way, if you don't have spooky friends, or maybe your spooky friends aren't available, or you want to connect with somebody over the podcast and like be able to talk about this thing you have in common, you can contact each other and get together. Right.
1: What a wonderful idea.
0: Thank you. Well, you know, it's interesting because I started this podcast out of a love of history. I wanted to talk about history, but then it was the community aspect that really took off a little bit more right and hearing from people that they want more community stuff we were like this might be a fun way to further connect because all the lanterns who live in southern california are like very close friends of mine now and i do stuff with them and it's really cool so i want that for everybody
1: Yeah, right. What a wonderful thing to do. It's like meetup, but centered entirely on it's always Halloween.
0: Exactly. Yes. So this (laughs) is everybody's reminder to fill out that form if you want to be a part of that. And it's nice because most of the people who listen, obviously not everybody, but a lot of the people who are really engaged are like queer othered people. So it's like you, I've really done some work to kind of suss out uh bigots you know and mm, <laughs> make sure mm-hmm. that the people that uh are listening are you know I can't control everything but I think for the most part we have like really good apples so right really good caramel apples
1: <laughs> oh I believe it of course
0: <laughs> um all right well I'm taking away from this email that I need to play Hollow night so thank you so much Kristen That's so cute um, and then, okay, so this one it reminded me of a conversation we were just having about uh, making our own costumes. This, I feel like, will really mm. resonate with you, Joe. Uh, so the Eekmail uh, subject line is, happy spooky spring. Highly mm. say, I've wanted to write or call in for some time now, but my southern accent is a bit too much, so I decided <laughs> on an Eekmail. I was a child to a very young teenage parent, and my sisters and I grew up in poverty, so we had very little. However, my sweet mama always made the holidays rad as heck, no matter what. We never had the money for already made in-store costumes, so my mama would make ours, and they were the best, especially since it was the 80s and everything was gloriously tacky and awesome. (laughs) My most favorite costume was when she dressed me as a punk rocker. <laughs> oh, yes. I was five, so I didn't actually know what I was at the time. <laughs> but it was very foretelling of my future, since I'd like to believe I'm punk as punk now in my 38 years of age. <laughs> very <laughs> relatable. <laughs> Thank you so much for all that you pour yourself into. Oops. Oops. Let me take that back. Thank you so much for pouring yourself into this podcast. It has truly enriched my life and touches on every single aspect of Halloween that I love. I 100% believe it has helped me with my depression. And rather than feeling super bummed when Halloween is over, you help me enjoy it all year round. Love, Mandy Misfit, uh pumpkin emoji.
1: <laughs> oh, wonderful.
0: Wow, Mandy, I love this so much. And... If you have pictures as you as a five-year-old punk rocker, we absolutely need to see them.
1: Yes. Yeah, show it to me.
0: (laughs) Don't you love... I mean, I love the parents' influence on Halloween costumes. Like, at a certain age, you can dress your kid up whatever you want until they start making their own decisions.
1: Uh, You know, I love that, too. I also... Something that really spoke to me about this email is this idea... um, that, you know, Halloween is seen as like a kid's holiday sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's so parents celebrate it with their kids. But then one of the magical things that happens is if you don't have kids or if you have kids and they've moved on, you know, now you get to enjoy Halloween with your friends. You know, it's not like a let's bring the family around the table Thanksgiving style thing. It's like a let's go out and have a party together. Let's watch a movie together. Let's like get our friend group together and do things. And You can even go online and find lots of people having lots of like fun Halloween things going on. It's just, it's a wonderful holiday for, I don't know, making your own family sometimes.
0: Yes. Beautifully put. I totally agree. And we actually have that conversation on the podcast a lot where people wonder if it's just nostalgia fueling our current love of Halloween. And while I think that there's, of course, a part of that, because it's hard to detach yourself from your childhood... At the same time, we've heard from a plenty of people who are brought up very religiously who aren't allowed to celebrate Halloween or who came from a different culture and they didn't celebrate Halloween and they love Halloween now. So it's mm. definitely not just about childhood.
1: Right. I completely agree. And honestly, the fact that you can make your own costumes is just wonderful.
0: I, I was just thinking that same thing. And I feel like another thing that's so great about Halloween is that it is very democratic in the way that like, just pull together what you have at home if you can't afford to buy anything. And now, you know, there's really great organizations like Ween Dream who gather costumes to send to families that can't afford them or like can't do Mm -hmm. a Halloween, which I think is fantastic. And I just, uh, you know, we've talked about this before on the podcast because I know growing up my mom wouldn't give candy to people who came to the door without costumes on. And we had a lantern call in to talk about how that was actually pretty classist. Other people have said this too. It wasn't like a direct attack, but, um, yeah, it's something I hadn't thought of before where it's like, you, you can go out and trick or treat, even if you don't have a costume put together and there's no barrier really to entry, you know, take a pillowcase, take a bucket, like you can't necessarily participate in Christmas if you don't have money, you know, there's right. a lot of pressure on the gift giving aspect, even if like, that's not what movies say, or that's not like the overall sentiment. That's what people expect to an extent, you know, right. but Halloween, and you can I, go out and get candy. Well,
1: <laughs> right, yeah, I would say most people could also go to their closets and, and figure out a costume. You know, yeah. it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be a zombie with the makeup and the fake blood and everything, you know, Yeah. I have like, um, do you know what a kigarami is?
0: I don't know. Tell it, me.
1: It's almost, it's like a robe almost, but it zips up. It's like a big pajama suit. Oh, amazing!
0: I didn't know that those um, had names.
1: Yeah, this one this one does because it looks like Pusheen the cat, that famous internet cat.
0: Pusheen, yeah. Yeah,
1: I I bought one a few years ago just for the heck of it, um, and now you know every Halloween if I don't have anything like formal, I'll be like, well, I'm putting on the Pusheen pajamas and I'm going out.
0: <laughs> I love that. That sounds so cozy. It is <laughs> perfect for that <laughs> chilly Halloween weather.
1: Well, except for this darn global warming, because lately Halloween in Philadelphia has been, you know, 80 degrees.
0: I, that's interesting to hear because it's, it's hot in L.A. That's always been that's my biggest problem with L.A. is hot Halloween because
1: mm-hmm. they're getting hotter here.
0: Uh, I'm sorry to hear that because that is not right. You got it. Yeah, turn get either crank the AC or or put all the fans in the windows and like try to create the right. cold. <laughs> That's what I like to do in the summer. Is I like blast the fan on my face and like wear a tank top. So I'm like, ooh, chilly weather. I'm uh-huh. watching a horror movie.
1: <laughs> totally.
0: <laughs> Close all the curtains. <laughs> um. Well, we have a couple more minutes. Do you want to do one more mail before we go? Oh,
1: sure. I'd love to.
0: All right, cool. This one is, uh, this is fun. The tagline or the, I keep wanting to say the tagline. The subject line is Halloween museum. Highly say Mm. I recently had the privilege of visiting Salem last year for October and had an absolutely wonderful time. One aspect of the trip that left me conflicted, uh, though, was the Halloween museum. Well, it's hard to say I didn't like it. Of course I liked it. It's Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't help but think of how much more it could have been. It's a very small downtown, kind of about the size of a two-bedroom apartment. And given its size, Mm -hmm. you'd think it'd be far more dense in content, but it's very spacious with how organized and how little it had. The main attraction of the museum is a Dayglow art piece that seems to create 3D images illustrating various facets of the holiday. It's so hard to picture, but I love it.
1: (laughs) I know. I'm I'm trying right now to picture. I'm going to have to Google it when we're done Definitely,
0: yeah. Uh, Surrounding this are various pieces of Halloween pop culture ephemera from the 80s onwards, like a display of the McDonald's pumpkin pails and the Halloween edition Furby. (laughs) (laughs) Who could forget? Um, They have movie props from Nightmare Before Christmas, Hocus Pocus, and Hubie Halloween in the mix. The one piece of real history is a Halloween costume from the 1930s. I had known before walking Mm. into the place that it was much more limited in scope than one might expect, yet I couldn't help but think of how I'd want to create a Halloween museum. I shared my thoughts with the employee working the entrance, and they said that they didn't want it to be too stuffy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, did I write this eekmail to myself? (laughs) If I had my way with an infinite budget and unlimited floor space, I'd like to make my museum one in which you would enter a guided tour. Everyone would gather around a facade of a typical Midwestern house, all dressed up for the holiday and say, trick or treat, before the door seems to open on its own. Ah, oh, I love that. And then you'd walk through the museum. Oh my God, wait, am I going to cry? This is such a cute idea. I love it <laughs> I so much. It's like, it's transporting me. Okay. I'd like to make the main sections of the museums based on its Celtic origins, its Victorian influences, Halloween and similar holidays celebrated around the world, and 20th and 21st century Halloween. But I wanted to know what you think. What would you want to include in your version of a Halloween museum? And where would Mm. you want it? Would you want a spooky pun for the name or something simple? Thanks, Josh. Or as those on the It's Always Halloween Discord know me, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, Josh is one of our ghoul gang members on Patreon. So thank you, Josh. This is a fantastic eek mail.
1: Yeah, there's a lot to think about. I mean, I'm having visions of Roseanne Halloween episodes.
0: <gasps> yes. Oh, my gosh. So I, I think that, you know, obviously Halloween is a fun holiday for all the things that we mentioned. But Roseanne and Simpsons Halloween episodes mm-hmm. were a very big part of like locking in how fun that holiday was. Because mm-hmm. I always wanted to do that. Like the best one, I think, is when uh, they bring people through the house and like yeah. Aunt Jackie is under the the dish. You know, like the Tureen and her, she's like, ah, right. she has the fangs. And oh my gosh. And
1: DJ opens the door and he's like, welcome to the house of horrors yes. or something. Ha,
0: ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so good. Yeah. And Becky is like the the mangled flight attendant. It was like right. missing <laughs> limbs and is all bloody. Oh my gosh. I love that episode so much. Um, yeah. It would be fun to have like. I have people, I wouldn't want to scare people so much because I know not everybody loves a haunted house, but I think it would be fun to have really small, low level scares throughout, Mm -hmm. you know, like maybe you like, uh, gesture to a painting or a portrait and then it like comes down and somebody's like, ah, like on the other (laughs) side of it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um,
1: wow. What a good question. Cause you know, here's my perfect Halloween museum. You know, those, um, like uh colonial williamsburg and you go there and it's like you, you walk around and you're in colonial times yes in my dream halloween museum it's a whole town and each block is a different decade or a different oh. era and so you know you could walk down and see like this was 1950s halloween that but then again i mean i bet it was different town to town this would, it would have to be a whole city Okay, you'd have to stay in Halloween City for a weekend Halloween to get the whole experience
0: city. Yes, absolutely. And you could decide like, which part of town you want to stay in? Do you want to stay in like 50s Halloween or Victorian Halloween? And then your accommodations would be like themed and have like the decorations from that time
1: yes 100 percent. center city would have to be 80s halloween because i i happen to feel that's the sort of perfect era of halloween
0: yeah definitely. at least like of
1: the the current american halloween
0: that's what it feels like that in early 90s is like when everybody was trick-or-treating all the houses yeah. were really decorated um and did you grow up in philadelphia is that where you're from
1: no i'm from new jersey but close enough
0: okay yeah so i feel like i have a lot of friends in uh, New Jersey Halloween horror people who uh, had very similar experiences. I think like the suburbs, um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it maybe is a suburb Halloween. I'm very curious. I haven't heard from that many people who grew up in cities, and I would like to hear more stories right. about what their Halloween was like.
1: Yeah, that's interesting because that's, that's the Halloween you see in movies, you know, the, mm-hmm. the suburb Halloween, the small town Indiana.
0: Yeah, so I imagine that there's, you know, people who are – thirsty for that experience you never got to have it and that would that's what would be so cool about the museum I think it would be cool to have one of those um uh like you get to trick-or-treat like I love the idea of the museum starting like Josh that's such a clever idea with the facade and you get in by saying trick-or-treat but I also think it'd be fun to have like a simulated trick-or-treat experience where maybe you can like dig through like a closet of costumes you can like pick your costume And then you can like walk up and down a suburban block that's like, yeah, either themed like 80s, 90s, 60s, 70s, like, and their costumes have that same time period, you know? So it's like, oh, if it's if it's the 80s, you can only dress as like um, Smurfs or My Little Ponies or He-Man, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is starting to sound potentially too much like Westworld. Which I only watched a few episodes of, but.
0: Westworld has a. It's a bleak. It's not a happy ending. (laughs) Um, But I think Halloween World, now we've gone from Halloween. Uh, town city to world so
1: <laughs> and now now it's a horror movie yeah. that we've we've made the final step
0: oh perfect okay well trademarked uh no one else can write that <laughs> uh that's something joe and i are writing <laughs> this just turns into like a writing workshop I and mean, i'm like okay now what do you have for page 10
1: <laughs> right <laughs> Yep. Now when you say he was cut, do you mean like is it stabbed or a slash <laughs> yes. across the chest? Yeah. Uh, what?
0: I imagine a scythe because it's very Halloween because we're talking about the oh, yeah, Reaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I
1: love your vision. <laughs>
0: Thank you. you too. Brilliant. I'm glad you're on board. <laughs> Everyone's like, wait, am I supposed to be listening to this still? <laughs> right. Um Josh, this is such an incredible email. mail. It's given me so much to think about. I feel like this is like a project now that I have to yes. work on. <laughs> But I, I think you're right. And uh, I think you really tailored your idea of what the perfect museum would look like to my to the podcast, to exactly what I would want, because you just <laughs> described every everything that I've talked about on the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, walking through time, I think would be lovely. And there's, you know, places for pop culture museums, but like, I don't know, I, we can, the internet's sort of a pop culture museum, you know? Mm. like I think again everyone who's listening knows this but history is so important to preserve and it's really important to understand how we got to where we are and why we're doing what we do and we wouldn't have these pop culture iterations if we didn't have all the history that came before it so Mm. I want to make sense of the world and what we're all doing here you know and I do that through history and I think that if you're passionate about something learning more about it can only deepen your passion and appreciation for it
1: yeah i totally agree
0: so i would also be disappointed in this uh in this halloween museum josh so thank you for saving me from possibly going to it
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh give them time maybe they're just getting started
0: that's true but the uh employee really had me with stuffy they're -hmm. they're now an Mm enemy for life Um, Well, I know we're getting towards time. Is there anything that you want to add about zine making, Halloween, zines? Anything we talked about that you want to put a final bow on?
1: No, I mean, I guess I'm I'm very excited for the zine that we're doing together. Um, Would you mind if I told everyone about the zine I'm currently working on? I would
0: love that, please. Oh,
1: great. So Gina and I are working on a follow up to the queer horror zine. Um, and I personally am working on a zine called A Satanic Butchery of Boredom, <gasps> um, which is where cool. I'm watching the entirety of a 50-movie DVD set and writing about all the terrible, terrible movies enclosed. <laughs> Wait, you, I'm watching them so you don't have to.
0: That is perfect. You did a Kickstarter for this, right?
1: Yes, I did. Uh, yes. You know, we it was successful, got the money I needed. Now I'm working on it. Should be out in May, hopefully. So...
0: Thrilling. Okay, great. And all of your work can be found at DisplacedSnail.com, correct?
1: Yes, that is correct. And that is where we will be able to pre-order your zines, I think.
0: Terrific. Once
1: once the time is right. Once the
0: time is right. Once everyone out there in Halloween world sends us their materials
1: yes let's see your costumes
0: oh my god i can't wait it's really my favorite part of the podcast is seeing people's like childhood pictures each one just fills me with such elation
1: it's a wonderful idea
0: yay thank you well we got we worked on it together so thank thank you for being <laughs> excited to do this with me and i'm just thrilled that there'll be like something physical that people can like hang on to and cherish forever with their halloween collection
1: Yes, it's the magic of zines. And thank you so much for having me.
0: I'm so happy you were here. And I want to give a shout out to all of the lanterns who wrote in. uh, Josh, Mandy, and Kristen, thank you so much for contributing to today's episode. Your stories were fascinating and funny and just very heartwarming. Um, All right, well... I know we're going to be talking soon, but thank you so much for joining me on this special episode. Uh, You're only the third guest that I've had in a year and a half. Oh, fun. Yes, it's very special, and I'm still kind of learning how to do it, but I think this episode went well. (laughs) I
1: think so, too. We're naturals. We like to chat.
0: It's true. I know. I could do this forever if we didn't have hard outs. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, I will talk to you soon. Happy Halloween, Joe.
1: Yes, happy Halloween, Luce, and everyone out there in Halloween world.
0: Happy Halloween to us all. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Well, that was a dang treat and a half. Thank you so much, Joe. Again, it was such a pleasure having you here. Now, uh, after we had our conversation... Joe was inspired to get the DSP Classic Ghosties zines back up on the website. So during our conversation, he was saying that those are currently out of print, and he decided to get them right back into production. So you can go and get those uh, today. They're fantastic, and they're the reason that Joe and I are friends now. Um, So please check them out. You can get a whole pack of them for $10. $10. It's The Shadows on the Wall by Mary E. Wilkins Freeman, which is on our Patreon, The Beast with Five Fingers by W.F. Harvey, What Was It by Fitz James O'Brien, The Haunted Orchard by Richard Lee uh, Galleon, and The Shell of Sense by Olivia Howard Dunbar. Now, that one is also on the Patreon. So if you want to hear me read two of those, you can sign up for our bi-monthly ghost stories. And if you want to get a whole selection of these beautiful zines yourself, you can head on over to DisplacedSnail.com slash store and pick up your own pack of DSP Classic Ghosties for just a low, low price of $10. And uh, my best friend, Nick, gifted them to me for Christmas one year, and it made a fantastic gift. I guarantee it. It's a great way to bring Halloween to the people all year round. So that's how you can find Joe. Remember, he's also at Displaced Snail on Instagram. If you have a ghost story you want to tell us or you want to tell us about your favorite trick-or-treating memory or what kinds of halloween art you like to make and distribute to the world give us a call on the all hallows hotline at 802-532-DEAD or write us at email at it's always podcast at gmail.com and don't forget If you want to be a part of the Kitchen Witch recipe zine, the trick-or-treat zine, make sure you get in your information to me before May 1st. So that's about six, seven weeks away, and I would love to include you in this new project that Joe and I are doing together. And if you want to be a part of the Local Lantern Society, click that link in the show notes and take the Google form questionnaire that can also be found on our Instagram as well. And you can always email that information to it's always Halloween Podcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support the podcast, go to patreon.com/slash it's always Halloween. There is a level for every budget and every dollar helps. If we get to 1000 dollars before August, I will put on a live show this Halloween in Los Angeles. And whenever we hit that goal, I will start to plan a live show. But wouldn't it be great to do it during the calendar Halloween season or prime Halloween, as our lovely lantern Kristen says. And if you want to have another way to support the podcast, there's a tip jar for any amount. That's also in the show notes. And you can always buy our merch on Redbubble. This episode of It's Always Halloween was hosted by me, your always haunted host, Luce Tomlin-Brenner. I had a lovely guest, Joseph Carlo, from Displaced Snail Publications. And we had a lot of help from our lanterns, Josh, Mandy, and Kristen. Thanks for writing in those terrific eek mails. They were a delight to talk about. The editing, theme music, and sound design was by the incomparable Pete Burns, Thanks so much, Pete. We could not do it without you. If you love It's Always Halloween, track us down on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review and a little couple of sentences saying why you like it. And that'll bring more lanterns to the yard to decorate our porch as we glow through the night. And you can also check us out on the NPR One app where you should tell Ira Glass that you love us. Thanks so much for listening to yet another episode of It's Always Halloween and come back next time, unless you're too busy building your own Halloween museum, in which case, focus on that. That is important work.